Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing the stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Tiffany Manor. And joining me on Friends for Life today is Dr. Stephen Saunders. Uh, He's a professor at Marquette University. Uh, Around Friends for Life, we oftentimes use first names. So is it okay if I call you Steve? Absolutely. Can Uh, I call you Tiffany? uh, Yeah, absolutely. Good, good. Well, welcome. Please introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your vocations in life. Well, I'm Steve Saunders. Uh... I am professor of psychology at Marquette University, and I'm a Lutheran Missouri Synod uh, in uh, my church is in Greenfield, Wisconsin. It is our father's Lutheran church. There's a school, there's a a child care. Um, I'm a husband, a father of three, and grandfather of two with two on the way. Two on the way. In reverse order of importance uh, is how I indicated who I am. So most important is the the grandfather stuff. It's just (laughs) such a joy. I often say that when I'm introduced and speaking or something and they're reading my bio, I always say that I think the the most important thing you need to know about me Mm -hmm. is that I have two grandchildren. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So I spend most of my free time looking at uh, videos it's so great now because you know the the parents can send videos of the kiddos doing cute things and uh, I do wonder about the effect of talking with them online or through mm-hmm. FaceTime what what that does to them why is grandpa in this tiny little machine so but uh, but it's uh, it's a real joy and so yeah, it's too bad we're just inviting. audio only. We could be showing pictures of our exactly. really cute grandkids to all the listeners, but they're going to have to just imagine that between but, you know my grandkids and your grandkids, we you know six yes. of the cutest kids in the world Probably. represented. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, without doubt. <laughs> well, we're we're not going to just talk about our grandkids all day as much as we might like to do that. Um, we're we're going to talk about mental illness, and you've got some great expertise, uh, of course, through your vocation as a professor and, and as a psychologist, and uh, I'm sure you've walked with a lot of people through difficult times but you know as a, a Lutheran layman too you've done a lot of study on Martin Luther and um, and how Martin Luther um, uh, understands mental illness so you know, tell us what you've you've studied and what you've learned about yeah well my my journey in this you know I've always sort of been interested in psychology and how the mind works and you know the, the the reality that two different people can look at the same thing and think very different ways about it and feel very different ways about it react differently to it and studied uh, i went to college as a pre-med and realized i don't like biology so um <laughs> that there's so much for pre-med um but i took a course in psychology and I really liked it, and I took another and another, and you know, eight years later, I graduated with my doctoral degree in clinical psychology, with a, with particular interest in treatment of mental illness, and of within that a particular interest in why people don't seek treatment for mental illness, which mm-hmm. is related to all the stigma that tends to be attached to mental illness somehow, you know, unlike almost any other illness, medical, physical illness, you know, mental illness, somehow we attach some 
blame to the person. They're not strong enough. I like to sometimes say that somehow the person who develops depression or anxiety or whatever mental illness, they didn't run fast enough and keep ahead of it, you know, some, some version of weakness or badness. And we don't do that with any other illness, just mental illness. So have spent really a career doing that as well. You know, in, you know, in my, in my academic life, I've always maintained a a practice where I actually see clients. Most clinical psychologists are full-time clinicians. They see 25, 30 people a week, but I always maintained a practice and, um, you know, my, my family has a lot of Missouri Synod pastors in it, my uh, in-laws in particular. And I got to know a lot of different pastors, them in particular, but their friends and my own pastor and pretty regularly getting questions from pastors about parishioners. I've got this parishioner, I don't quite understand what's happening with her or you know, I'm, I'm worried about this this one person in my church and um, I welcomed those conversations and two things occurred to me. One is that uh, there's a lot of need for better understanding of mental illness, mental health problems. But the other is that persons with mental health problems tend to go to their church, mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense. The church is where our children and our grandchildren are baptized. It's where our children are married. It's where our parents are are buried. It's where, where weekly we go and hear the loving word of of God and what he has done for us. And so, of course, people go to their church when they're feeling this badly. And so that led me to write a, a, a two-volume set to help pastors, laypersons, teachers better understand mental illness. And while doing that, I stumbled upon uh, some of the writings of Martin Luther and meaning some of his table talk, which is, of course, other people recording what he said at his his table. He and his wife, Katie, invited people over all the time, and they would talk and talk and talk and got around to where people started to record what he was saying because it was so you know, vital and so important. But also... We have so many letters that Martin Luther wrote to other people, thousands of letters. I, I, I think it's, it was the case that Luther got thousands of letters and probably used them to keep his house warm. But anyone who got a letter, you know, burned them in the fireplace to keep his house warm. Anyone who got a letter from Luther, though, kept it. And so we literally have thousands of letters. And, and quite a few of them were letters from Luther to persons dealing with mental health issues. And I just became fascinated by, by his perspective on it. So, um, so it's a it, 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 really, really enjoyable reading his letters. They're available to people and um, um, really fascinated about his insights into what he was talking about with, with again, with those with mental illness, mental health problems. Yeah, and, and we can give a shout out to Concordia Publishing House 
too. So that's where you can obtain a, a lot of Martin Luther's, um, well, his works in totality, at least those that are translated into English. There's still a, a lot of his um, works, his writings that are, are not yet in English, but they're they're diligently working on it. Um, and, you know, I think you're even going to be having a book coming out in upcoming months. So right. People could stay yeah. tuned for that, um, for your book available um, through Concordia Publishing House. Yeah, it will be about Martin Luther's attitude or his perspective and his advice regarding mental illness, exactly. So so what is it that, that Martin Luther, I mean, sometimes we, we think about um, mental health issues being particularly um, endemic to our times that, um, you know, with coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, mm-hmm. um, that there's crisis, of, a mental health crisis um, because of that. But even, you know, obviously the mental illness existed before that. But I don't know that we often think about 500 years ago that, that Martin Luther was, um, and, and his um, uh, parishioners, the congregants and his congregations and the people that he knew, that they were dealing with the same things we are today. But it sounds to me like you're describing they probably were. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when when Adam fell, when... He, and the world became corrupt, corrupted by sin. We got medical illnesses, physical illnesses, and mental illnesses. And, you know, of course, many mental illnesses are caused by experiences. They're not all biological. They're a mix of biological and experience. Um, But definitely Luther was saying that, you know, if we think about Luther's age, you know, there was really no such thing as sanitation, there was near constant warfare, um, lots of illness. You know, he himself, he and his wife, you know, suffered through the, the death of of a child, a young young child, and, and older kids as well. So just you know, surrounded by tragedy and grief in the in the medieval area era, as they say, and. Um, so back in the day, it wasn't called mental illness, but we had the term melancholia, which we still use sometimes. This I'm, I'm feeling melancholic. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling depressed. That's that's literally where it comes from, melancholia, and that's what Luther referred to depression as. And uh, of course, there would have also been schizophrenia and persons who had severe head injuries that could no longer take care of themselves. We don't read a lot about the anxiety disorders back then, but I think it's pretty clear that depression and anxiety are so closely related that they're they're. I mean, and we, you know, research is increasingly showing this that it's almost impossible sometimes to distinguish them. Most people with depression are also anxious. A lot of people with anxiety also experience depression. So. Um, but yeah, Luther had, you know, and of course Luther himself, it's almost definitive that he had himself mental health problems. He said so himself. In some of his letters, he said, I spent much of my youth in a melancholic state. And uh, the other thing that's fascinating about looking at what Luther's personal experiences were like is how very sick he was in so many ways. He had gallstones, kidney stones. He had uh, tinnitus, the uh, uh, constant, not constant, but regular buzzing in his ears and using yeah, and, uh, 
you know, ulcerative wound on his left leg that he had for a decade. And so the commonality for everything that what Luther experienced physically was pain. And so, you know, and, and of course, anyone who's dealt with pain knows how seriously depressing it is. It's just really, it's, it's physically debilitating, but it's also emotionally debilitating. So, so Luther had a lot of personal experience with physical pain contributing to his maybe bad mood. Um, I think it's, you know, after reading all this, I, I thought it was amusing. So many people thought that well, Luther is so irritable. He's could, grabby. Could, he's a crab. <laughs> could you imagine going through what he went through and being cheerful all the time? Um, of course he was crabby, heaven's sakes. Um, but uh, but also he, he acknowledged himself that, you know, he had some mental health issues, um, got some really good advice from some of his mentors. Um, you know, it was fascinating to read that you know when the when when Luther, you know, came out with his statements, and the Pope said, "Well, this is this is a heresy, and we're gonna, you know, anyone kill him on sight." And so his friends, of course, secret him mm-hmm. away to Wartburg Castle, and Luther, he wrote himself. He writes about his own behavior. He said, "Over the weeks, I." increasingly withdrew from the others at the castle and just spent time by myself and it made me very depressed. Now, 10 years later, he's writing to other young men and young women alike, uh, older men, older women, but especially to the young, he would say, don't isolate, you know, hang out with people, socialize, go hunting, go singing, have fun, saying this to people with depression. You know, the famous, famous to me, his quote, uh, young people, people don't realize how really bad it is for young people to, he didn't use the word isolate, but to, to stay away from others and emphasizing what something that I emphasize with people that I'm treating for depression, that that my colleagues emphasize when they're treating someone with depression, which is it's really important that you go out and do fun things. You might not anticipate having fun, but do it anyway. And it'll be it's good for your mental health. You cannot isolate. You can't let your emotions dictate your behavior. You have to engage in, again, socialization, especially, you know, the most obvious social um outlet for people obvious in terms of advice is go to church mm-hmm. go to church every sunday and then when church is over go to bible study you might not feel like it you might think that people don't want you there that's not true you know that's just a, a thought you're having do these things for yourself and it will help your depression and just really so so his advice to people was based on, I think, largely, you know, his own experiences. And it's just really amazing how his advice, to me, it's amazing to read his advice 500 years ago and to realize that's what I was taught in graduate school 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this is what I teach my graduate students now, exactly what Luther is saying, which is to be aware of how you think 
and be aware, be wary of how you think and and be aware of your behavior and doing both will help you with your mental health. Wow, that's pretty amazing to, to think that that, um, that wisdom stands the test of time. Um, but I, I think there's also something we can glean there about stigma because that so often comes up that the church doesn't acknowledge mental illness, the church doesn't address it, doesn't speak to it, but it, it sounds like really quite the opposite. If that was, you know, 500 years ago, that um, the, some of the fathers in the church were providing counsel um, for mental health and mental illness, behavior yeah, issues. The, I, I think that's probably the best example, the best modeling, role modeling that Luther did for us, which is that he did not shrink from people's sadness, from what people were going through, neither physically nor mentally, emotionally, that he wrote them back. In one instance, famous instance, he actually invited this, uh, uh, the wife of a friend of his was experiencing depression and he wrote and said, come and stay with us. And he talked with her every day and wrote back to her husband about what he thought about what she was going through. So Luther, again, is an example for all of us to understand that there are lots of people in the church. You know, research is pretty consistent that one in five persons right now is experiencing some sort of a mental health problem. Depression, anxiety being the most common, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, which we used to call manic depression, also common. And it's it's really important that persons feel welcome at the church. Now, the thing about mental health problems is they're easy to hide for the most part, mm. um, especially depression, anxiety. Someone can go to church, they are, might be experiencing severe depression, and they can go to church and they can smile at the pastor and smile at their friends and sit and you know, kind of force themselves to act like they're not depressed. And as a result, we don't know they're depressed. And you know, a phrase I've developed is, you know, all of us know many people who have depression, anxiety, we just don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. And we don't know who they are because they haven't told us. And why haven't they told us? Well, because they're afraid of what people might think. And um, I think Christians in particular, and I, and Luther addressed this explicitly, I think Christians in particular sometimes feel extra guilty for being depressed or anxious or for having a child with a severe mental illness. They, they feel extra guilty, not just, not just shame, they feel extra shame as if a good Christian doesn't experience this. And Luther himself said, don't be foolish. Christ himself, this is, I'm quoting Luther, Christ himself found life unendurable as did Moses, as did Elijah. Uh, Abraham was so fearful that he said to his wife, Sarah, don't tell anyone you're my wife, because they might wanna, you know, because you know, the, the, the king might want you, so don't tell him, because then he'll 
kill me. So all of the David and what he went through and what he did, all of these persons in the Bible that are admirable, that you know, some of whom walked literally talked with God, often found life un unbearable. To again, to quote Luther, um, so Luther was very careful to correct people to say, you know, this is not an issue of faith. You know, in fact, don't lose your faith, but also realize that this is this is what it means to be a Christian. That we do suffer. You know, the, you know uh, Luther Luther emphasized what we refer to, of course, as the theology of the cross. Christ Himself promised every one of us, "Pick up your cross and follow me." That's the theology of the cross, which is follow me, believe that I have come to pay for your sins. But that doesn't mean that your life will necessarily be easy, especially as a Christian, maybe especially in 2023 right now, where there's so much hostility, more and more open hostility towards Christians. So that's part of the cross, but part of the cross is being sick and suffering and watching those we love sick and suffering. And uh, again, Luther was very explicit saying don't don't mistake this for god being angry at you or god abandoning you or you not having strong enough faith because that's not what it is mm, i think that we get very good at speaking the law to ourselves and that's where you know people um this the shame and the guilt that you you described it's someone you know i ought to i should um right. and and those are law words Right. When we're just heaping expectations upon ourselves, things that, that God has not said to us as, as the law that he's given to us, which is as good and, and um, you know beneficial for us as the law can be. Um, sometimes you know, we, we add burdens to ourselves that we ought not. And so, you know, uh, I like to remind the people that I've cared for as a, as a deaconess, uh, you know, we can speak the gospel to ourselves. We can uh, place our ourselves in, in places where people are speaking the gospel to us, church certainly being one, right. um, but, but you know, the gospel being what God is working, what God is doing, that as you described, all this suffering that we experience in our world, and it, it will not fail to come. It, it will continue until Christ returns um, to recreate all of, of heaven and, and earth and us in, in our bodies. And so we're going to have this, this suffering, but um, God in his promises has poured out so much on us. And so to remind ourselves that he's, he's with us, he's present, yeah. um, mm -hmm. Emmanuel, right? It's, it, Emmanuel is not just a, a, a name for God in Christ at Christmas time. It's right. for always God with us in our suffering, Christ himself, as you described, known um, suffering, known in suffering. Um, and God can use that that suffering um, in a variety of ways. We don't often know what he's he's doing with the suffering we're experiencing, but we can right. certainly bear that um, suffering with one another. That's another you know, benefit, even when things are, are challenging, a reason to go to church. My husband's a pastor. Um, we don't have a whole lot of pastors in our family like you were describing, just one, just my husband. <laughs> but he would always tell people when they most felt like they needed to um, to shy away from church, they didn't want to go to church, it was hard to go to church. And he would right. say that's the, when it's most important you need to be getting to church more often 
um, right. whether it's uh, individual counsel with with him, with their pastor, um, any worship service, um, the fellowship of the saints. Um, but whenever you feel yourself not wanting to go, that's when you most need to be there. Just so. And again, persons with anxiety, depression, and sometimes it's, you know, parents or loved ones with a, with a child who is, who is, uh, has an issue such as an autism spectrum disorder or cognitive impairment, which we used to refer to as mental retardation. And they might be disruptive in church and, but this is where they belong. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's incumbent. I, I really encourage anyone listening, all pastors, reach out. Because mm-hmm. again, it, it, some, things, some things like if a child is yelling in church because of an illness, the, you know, the, the, some, some illnesses, some mental health problems, they can be easily seen, but the vast majority cannot. But we know they're there. So reach out by a variety of means, you know, include prayers for not just physical Mm -hmm. medical illnesses, but prayers for those experiencing emotional disorders. Prayers not just for doctors and surgeons, but also those mental health professionals helping. Inserts, you know, little statements in the bulletin about Lutheran Social Services, a wonderful agency. Uh, about you know local counseling about you know we're gonna do it do a Bible study mm-hmm. on mental illness mental health problems in the Bible just to make people know like we we don't we don't know who you are we can't know who you are until you tell us but we do know you're here and we welcome you and we're not afraid of what you're going through we're not ashamed of you we you know, we are just like you. You are just like us. It's just that your burden, your the cross you bear, is a little bit different. And if people could just take that attitude and not be, you know, fearful or not, you know, turn away, but rather, and so what? So someone comes to you and says, "I've been dealing with depression," or my, you know, ten years ago, my son committed suicide. Oh, well, what 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 do I say? What would you say to someone who said, "I'm dealing with cancer"? You'd say, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. How's it going? Oh, I'm so sorry that you went through that. Uh, uh, that 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 sounds that sounds bad. Um, let's let's meet for coffee and talk about it. It's really it, 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 just the same. We know how to do that. You and I tell people, you you already know how to do this with persons with mental illness. Just allow yourself to do it. Allow yourself to realize, you know, that that just a, a cheerful word and an invitation over and, you know, just simple Christian compassion and consolation and a reminder that, you know, well, God does love you. And it's this a mystery as to why why we have to go through these things. But never forget that God loves you and hope to see you next week at church. So, yeah, that's um, initiating that kind of contact is so meaningful, and it gets easier. We get better at it the more we do it, right? And you know, and really, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is 
um, providing more resources to help people understand right. mental illness, mental health, um, and how we can bear burdens together and care for one another. There's you know, a recent Lutheran Witness um, issue focused um, fully, the entire the entire issue focused on um, mental illness, mental health. Uh, we've got a webpage that's up. You can go to um, lcms.org, put in the search bar, you know, mental illness, mental health. Mm-hmm. You'll come up with um, the, the resources are ongoing. Dr. Saunders, you know, Steve <laughs> here on the, the podcast, you've been a big part of that. So we're so thankful for your efforts, for the books you've written, um, you know, for, for really being um, someone who's opened our eyes uh, to the number of people who are dealing with mental illness um, in our uh, congregations and out in the, the world around us. So thank you for that. Thank you for joining us on this uh, um, episode here. And thanks so much to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, listeners, please leave us a review and don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. Uh, new episodes drop twice each month. And you can find us in between on Facebook and Instagram as Friends for Life, LCMS. And finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. If you have an idea about a guest you'd like to hear from or a topic you want to talk about, you can email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. Friends for Life.